0: Good morning. Court radio is now in session. Call 215 227 2727. When you've got legal questions, we've got the answers. This is Court Radio. And now here's your host, Dean Weitzman.
1: Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Man. Welcome to Court Radio. I'm Dean Weitzman, and this is our first live show of Court Radio. I am your host every Saturday morning right here on 100.3 WRMB. Classics 107. Huh? There you go. Fiddling for uh, tactics. Uh, folks, we are taking live questions from a studio audience today. Uh, Court Radio is your place for some legal entertainment and hopefully some legal education. Today we're going to be answering questions from a live studio audience. I'm so happy you all came out. I cannot believe it. I am shocked. It's foggy it's overcast it's early and the studio is packed kudos to all of you um today i have two of you know let's just go back i've been doing this for probably close to 15 years i was trained by the one and only e stephen collins um on radio yes yeah God bless him, God bless him, God bless Lisa and the family. Um, and so I've been doing this for a long time. It's really rewarding for me to be able to answer questions for people who may not have had an opportunity to get in to see a lawyer, um, to pay the fees necessary to get a question answered, um, and to just keep my pulse on the what's going on in Philadelphia and what is moving people from week to week. Um, I grew up in a in the Oxford Circle in a row house. Um, it was about twelve feet wide, and my parents never owned it. There was always a mortgage. They were always reborrowing. I know what it's like um, to come from humble beginnings, um, and I I think it's important that I don't forget that, and that I participate in folks' lives um, from where they are, and so. And I've got great friends who believe in that same mission, and they are regulars on Court Radio. To my left is my partner, um, the guy who started the firm, Saul L. Langsom.
0: Better call Saul.
1: (laughs) And to Saul's left, we share a floor on Two-Penn Center at 15th and JFK. I met him in a courthouse one day. Um, We struck up a conversation. We have been friends ever since. Our practices are symbiotic. He does one half of the law in injury law, and that is um, for work-related injuries. I do the other half, third-party injuries. So when somebody other than your employer is responsible for your injuries, I represent you. Oftentimes, Jeff and I represent the same client for for the same injuries, but there are two different defendants, Jeffrey S. Gross. Good morning. <clears throat> so um, we have questions for those guys. I know you've got questions for me. We're going to get right into it. Um, but before I do, I have to introduce my firm. My team, and I don't see him here. He's but, in the other studio. Uh, he was supposed to pop in here. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's rushing over now. Uh, the very first team member for me was Eric tactics jackson who's always our inspiration here he is he's coming in i want you to welcome eric yo (laughs) 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 one of my oldest and greatest students of the law uh, eric is always on point when he has an answer to give to questions to my left is the one and only, and you know the voice, Manuel Glenn. You're a
0: silver fox Santa today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the yeah. festive mood of everything. Manny Let, let me let me put this in perspective real fast for you guys, because I'm looking at the makeup the audience. You know how we grew up in a certain neighborhood? that was always the cool white boy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's who Dean is.
1: <laughs> That's who these guys
0: really were. They are the cool. They were the cool white guys we all grew up with who got it. And I can honestly tell you they've more than given back they've been they've been looking back giving back and pulling people up and i just think they're a bunch of good guys
1: thank you Manuel. back of the studio our producer the one and only say sarah O. yeah sarah talks to you on the phone she uh lines up the questions for us she gets it succinct as possible because it is live radio And um, without her, we could not exist. So let's get right into this. I've got – I want to start off with an anonymous question. Um, And sometimes people ask anonymous questions because they live in neighborhoods and they have folks that are listening to them and they just don't need the heat. Um, So, anonymous, someone in the neighborhood is harassing her. Police have been called. Doesn't state what – or doesn't, doesn't stay? Doesn't stop. Thank you, Sarah. Your handwriting. Um, what, what can she do? You know, it's funny this question came up because as I was driving in today, I was listening to a story of a gentleman who was harassing a neighbor in New Jersey um, for a long time, screaming racial epithets, um, smeared... Theses on his car, um, bumped chests with him, was antagonistic. Um, he was prosecuted in New Jersey for racial intimidation, and he was just sentenced to eight years in prison for it. So, I will say this. When somebody is prosecuted criminally in Pennsylvania, it is not a decision that you can make. It is a decision that is made by the district attorney's office. You can bring a claim or an accusation to the police, to the detectives, it rises to the district attorney's office. If they choose to prosecute the case, then it's prosecuted. Racial intimidation is a crime. It can be prosecuted. Will they? Maybe. It really depends on a lot of factors that I'm not always privy to, but that's a decision they make. You, however, can bring a private criminal complaint through the district attorney's office as well, or a civil complaint. So there's, a, there's two distinct systems. There's the criminal system. If the district attorney prosecutes the claim, the person may end up in jail as a result of the violation. There's a civil system. That's where we all work. We prosecute claims on behalf of clients against people who do bad things to others, whether that bad thing is negligent or intentional. But you would have to then engage an attorney who is going to ask to be paid for his services to represent you. Um, Because unless you're suing a corporation or an insurance company, Um, An individual usually is not capable of paying a judgment, and so attorneys are more reluctant to take cases such as that because at the end of the day, they're not going to get paid through the defendant, so they have to get paid through the person who wants to prosecute the claim. So you have options, Anonymous, um, and it really depends, but I would start by calling the police. If they don't choose to pursue it, you can pursue a private criminal complaint through the district attorney's office directly, and there is an office for that. Um, and if it gets really bad, and again, like this fellow in New Jersey, it got really bad, and he's en- he ended up and will spend the next four years at a minimum behind bars for his racial intimidation. All right, Anonymous, thank you so much. Next, let's get... Good
0: question, good question.
1: It really was a great question. Let's get... Um... Else involved in this game, Bernstein. Bernstein, come on up. Bernstein, hi. Welcome to Court Radio. Come on, Bernstein. You talk right into the microphone, dear, and uh, ask your question. Good morning. Um, I have a a home that I
2: want to uh, will to or give to my son. gifted to him. Um, but in the past he suffered some identity theft. I mean, so he's in trouble with IRS. If I give him the home now. Will it be a problem with IRS? Will they be able
1: to take the home from him? I'm going to take that and give it to Saul. The
3: uh, – you said he got into trouble. So if the type of trouble he got into result in him being prosecuted. No, criminal. IRS. Um, if there are mm-hmm. – if the IRS pursued a claim against him and that claim has been reduced to a judgment, the judgment is like an albatross around his neck. Should he acquire any assets thereafter – that lien is going to stick so that you may want you may want to seriously reconsider because uh, the lien once the properties in his name will have to be satisfied by him okay by him so uh, you it's something I would not recommend that you do
1: okay Bernstein, right. thanks for your great question Thank you. I
3: want to I just want to share with everybody just one thought because two people came into our office twice this past week asking me to look at wills that they created they went onto the computer and they printed out these pages and they did these fill-in-the-blank documents and they wanted me to look at these documents to determine if they were in compliance with Pennsylvania law These forms, one size does not fit all. These forms that are printed out in Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, you name it, if they do not comply with Pennsylvania law, they're not gonna accomplish what you set out to do. And one of them was a travesty because a mother did her own will. Uh, She wanted to leave everything to two children. She had three children. I don't know what the problem was with the third child, but because that will failed, Under the Pennsylvania statute, all three children are sharing equally and the two children who came to me are very unhappy. The point is having a simple will done is not difficult. It's not expensive. And since you work a lifetime to accumulate these assets, if you want your own peace of mind and you want to be in control, make sure it's done properly.
1: Thank you, Saul. Thank you so much. All right. Let's bring on Jamie 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 come on up good morning good morning jamie what's your question
2: my question is um my question is about uh traffic court so um in 1989 i was supposedly have been in a car accident which had never occurred i since went to amnesty court to try and straighten out my traffic record and I was given, a sent a letter, I was starting to pay, make my payments, I was given a letter stating that my license would be suspended indefinitely. I needed to know what exactly that meant, so I went to a lawyer and had her check out uh, the reason why my license was be suspended. I found out that the person that um, I was supposed to be in an accident with, their address, I went to his home, and he had been dead for 18 years. So. That being said, since the accident supposedly happened in 1989, that's like 30, more than 30 years ago. How would I go about then getting my license?
1: Great question. All right. So everybody should know that if you do not have insurance and you're involved in an accident and a judgment is rendered against you from that accident, one of the consequences from that is that your license is suspended until the judgment is satisfied. It can be satisfied through a payment plan, in which case your license can be reinstated um, so long as you're current on your payments. Um, in this case, the wrinkle that Jamie poses to me is that the person who may have had this judgment is now deceased. And I don't know how we're going to be able to satisfy a judgment when the, the party is deceased. It, may require um, the involvement of the beneficiaries of the estate of that person. And and being that it's so many years ago, it's gonna take some work to kind of tease that out. The, the quick answer is um, we need to do some more investigating. The your We all have something called an abstract from our license, which is kind of a listing of all the tickets we've ever had, and um, when your license was granted, and if there's been any suspensions, et cetera. If you get a copy of your abstract from the DMV and email that to me, um, I will investigate it for you and see if there's any way for us to get your license reinstated, given the fact that the, the holder of the judgment is now deceased, okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you, James. for a great question. See, these are everyday life problems that folks have that we all have, that I have. And if you don't have access to legal representation, you're you're at a decided disadvantage.
0: You got the direct line down near the DMV in Harrisburg? They call it The Rock, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, I do. It's
0: a big place up there on air about a river. But,
1: you know, and you're dealing with a bureaucracy in uh, Harrisburg, and mm. if you don't have friends there, it makes it really difficult. So
0: relationships matter.
1: Relationships matter. And um, I have... A lot of friends that are in politics uh, in Harrisburg, and they pave the way to get questions answered. You know, I'm not asking for um, special favors. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want things to disappear off of people's records, Jamie. Um, so sure you had to get that disclaimer out there. <laughs> <laughs> but but we can, you know, get through some of the red tape. All right. Um, go ahead, Saul. Uh,
3: Daphne, you here?
1: Daphne, Daphne. come on up, front row. Daphne, come on up, Daphne. Answer your question.
3: Daphne's kind of in the front row already, so why don't you share your question with us?
1: Um,
4: Good morning, guys. Um, I was just curious. Uh, In my case, there's no spouse, um, and I don't have any children because I um, because I believe the next of kin would be spouse and then children, right? And then, um, say for instance, because I'm not like rolling in it, but 401k savings things of that nature. God forbid if something were to happen to me, I don't want my money going to like my half sibling. Um, although my father's still alive, because he I guess be considered my next of kin, um, and I wouldn't want that to be either. So how, where do you protect those well, funds if you don't you, have a beneficiary signed
3: well, pr- or will? You protect prepared. you protect those funds okay. <coughs> by <coughs> creating a will document, and in the will document naming beneficiaries and every family dynamics being what they are uh, I I have some family I have some clients with no families Uh, uh, several years ago I did a will for an elderly lady who had no family but a lot of money and I prepared a will for her and she named 22 charities so there's 22 charities in the world And she's an interesting lady because I hear from her regularly. As She called me the other day. She said, Saul, I left $1,500 to the Salvation Army in my will. I want to increase it to $2,000. That's the type of call I get. If you don't leave anything in writing, Pennsylvania has a statute. It's called the intestate statute. And this is what we harp on all the time. If you don't put your thoughts in writing, the statute is going to tell your estate who gets what, which is what you don't want. If you have no spouse who's first in pecking order, if you have no children, they're second in the pecking order, third in the pecking order are surviving parents. So if you have a father and you left nothing in writing, your father will inherit. So let me just take that one step further uh, there are instances where you don't have parents but you have siblings Okay, siblings and uh, we had a situation we had a situation where a father came to me who wanted a will the father had two sons and two daughters he was very close with his two daughters he had no relationship with his two sons he came to me because he wanted his will to leave everything to his two daughters Father passed away. The daughters were the best of friends. Uh, We finished up all the administrative work for the father's probate. One daughter was married with a six-year-old, and the other daughter was a single woman. So we're sitting in our conference room. All the paperwork was completed. And I said before they left me, there's one more order of business. And And I said, you, and I pointed to the single daughter, and said, you need a will. And she looked at me and said, I'm not married. I have no children. Why do I need a will? And I explained to her, I said, you missed the lesson that your father just taught you. I said, what do you think happens to your property when you close your eyes? Your sister sitting right next to you is going to end up inheriting one-third of your estate. So her jaw dropped. And she's looking at me. Brother number one, who you don't talk to and maybe dislike, he's going to inherit one third of your estate. Brother number two, who you don't talk to, is going to inherit one third of your estate, to which she stood up and hollered, I don't want to give them anything. How quickly can I do a will, which we did do and she left everything to her sister. You can't assume these, the, the concept behind all these documents is control. If you want to control your assets, put your thoughts in writing. If you want to leave it to Uncle Sam, you may not be happy, and you're not going to be around to, com- <clears throat> you know, to complain. Thank,
1: Thank you, Daphne. You. Thank you, and
4: a quick brag. I had won this T-shirt, um, Court Radio T-shirt, and a few years ago from um, Price Pack. From, uh, guessing or being at least the first one to get through when um you had asked what does the 2152 you know your phone number 227 2727 stand for and for those who may not know it stands for car crash yeah and that was uh, me. yeah there's a yes. story behind okay. that yes, thank you yes. Yes. so much Daphne and then, oh and also by the way I came up from Delaware I was rear-ended in 2021 had I lived here you would have been my first call there you go my uh, attorney which you may know because he I think the Dean Weissman of Delaware, Gary Neach.
1: I do know Gary, yes. Very good, all right. Thank you. So listen, guys, That Daphne brings up a great point. Um, when you're not sure whether a claim is a claim that we handle at My Philly Lawyer, I invite you, please give us a call. I, If I'm not doing it, I know who the best person is not only in Philadelphia, not only in Pennsylvania, but the entire country. I have a network of attorneys all over the country. And if you need representation, like if I need representation, I went through 10 years ago a divorce. I knew the guy who wrote the book on divorce in Pennsylvania. That was who my attorney was. And so. If you need representation, it's like your family to me. I'm gonna find you the best attorney for what you have a need on at any given moment in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, and around the country. There is a group of attorneys um, uh, who are members of the inner circle. This is a highly prestigious group of attorneys that there's only a handful in each state in the United States. They are the truly the best of the best. And if you need representation, you call me first, I will make sure you have competent, the best representation. All right, Jeffrey Gross has been quiet here and I've got a couple questions. Jeff, um, is, Jeff represents folks who are involved in claims that involve their employer. Is mental stress at your employment a claim that one can um, bring on behalf of themselves for compensation? Hey, Dean. Thank Hi, you for Jeff. having me. Uh,
5: the answer is yes. Thank you God. Can, <laughs> thank God. You can make a claim for workers' compensation, which is what I do, against your employer for mental stress. There are three types of mental stress claims and depending on the type that you have will depend on how easy or hard it is to make the claim. The first type is called a physical mental claim. That's when you have a physical injury that results in a mental claim in addition to the physical injury. For instance, if you have a lower back injury from an accident and you've been out of work for two, three, four years and you're getting depressed and anxious about your situation, how you're going to recover, and how you're going to make ends meet because your life is turned upside down, that's a claim that you can make for mental stress arising out of that physical injury. That's a very easy claim to bring, and I bring them all the time. The second type of claim for mental stress is a mental physical uh, claim, which is a mental stimulus, something that happens to you from a psychological standpoint, that results in physical harm. So for instance, if you are a 9-11 survivor where you were in the building in the World Trade Center when it got hit by the plane and you made your way out of that building and you turned around and you saw that building collapse and there is nothing that you suffered physically, but as a, I mean mentally, you you, you suffered post-traumatic stress disorder mentally and as a result of that, you sustained all kinds of physical stomach ailments where you had uh, IBD or colitis or something like that where you had a problem uh, physically and you were unable to work. That is also compensable. Same standard, and that's an easy case as well. The third I think type, if I was in the tower, I, we all would be pretty damn traumatized. You would be very that. traumatized. That's why I'm yeah. giving you that as an extreme example. Yeah. But let's take that as same example and make it the the last example which is the mental mental claim we call it it's a mental stimulus that results in a mental injury having nothing to do with the physical injury so you if you're in the tower and in one of the towers in 9-11 and the plane hits and you w- get out of there and you watch your building collapse and you have post-traumatic stress disorder but nothing else you just can't even think about going back there it it makes you crazy but you, you you don't have any kind of stomach issue you're not really sick you don't have any physical ailments that is a mental mental claim and that's recoverable if and only if you have an abnormal working condition now you say well that's abnormal right yes that's an abnormal working condition but let's suppose you're a police officer and let's suppose you're on the force for 20 years and let's suppose you make a traditional stop for a you know, motor vehicle violation and you get out of the vehicle or your, your partner gets out of the vehicle while you get the license plate and you call into dispatch and your partner you watch your partner go up to the to the driver asking for license and registration and next thing you know, you watch your partner of twenty years get shot in the head dead right in front of your eyes, and then they pull away. You're not injured, but yet you've suffered this Emotional, mental stimulus that creates you to have significant post-traumatic stress disorder. You've been with this guy for 20 years, and now your life is upside down, and you can't even think about become, being a police officer anymore. Is that a compensable claim? No. Why? No. Why not? It's not a compensable claim because that's not an abnormal working condition. That is something that happens all the time to police officers. So that's just an example. There's many, many, many others, but the mental, mental component, to answer your question, as the la- as the latest example, is the hardest case to bring.
1: And you know what, that just goes to demonstrate sometimes the law is not fair, uh, because I, as just an ordinary person, not a lawyer, would look at that claim and say, why shouldn't he be able to bring a claim For post-traumatic stress that prevents him from doing his job we can all see it even though we can't touch and feel it and you know we can recognize it um, and it's not it's not right and sometimes the law isn't right sometimes we're not treated fairly under the law and that's the simple answer that you have to give a client it's not always uh, well received but it is the truth
5: that's Mm. correct there are ways around these types of issues And that is, did this person who watched his partner die at the hands of a perpetrator and who suffered this mental problem, did he really not suffer any kind of physical ailment? I mean, maybe he had headaches. Maybe he had a stomach issue. Maybe he had uh, all kinds of problems that prevented him from doing anything that, that had some semblance of a physical ailment. That's something that you want to concentrate on.
1: All right. We are at the end of our first half hour. Um, We're going to take a quick two-minute break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back after these announcements. (laughs) I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most.
0: legal answers, here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman.
1: Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host at Court Radio every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on 100.3 WRMB. Classics 107.9. We have our first live studio audience, um, and I am really happy to report that the place is packed. Yeah, man. And um, folks have had great questions the first half hour. We're going to take questions from the studio audience on our second half hour. Um, We are also in the holiday spirit, and because of that, um, my Philly lawyer has uh, gotten some Really cool gifts for Wait, our, our studio you, audience. Are those car keys? <laughs> 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 not, <laughs> not that cool. Uh. Um, but, but pretty cool. The first gift we're giving away to a lucky studio audience member are EarPods the um, Apple EarPods uh, Second Generation Pros. So these are their top-of-the-line earpods, and I have a ticket in my hand. Uh-oh. So everybody take a look at the ticket you've been given. And um, if you have ticket number quadruple zero two five, you are the lucky winner of these earpods. 2025. Who's got it? 2525. Hey, the birthday boy. Come on up here. Wow. Appropriate. That somebody your age got something so cool as this, because you actually know how to use it. What's your name? That's exactly. Huh, Christian. Uh, Christian, come on over to the microphone for a second. How'd you get here today, Christian? Um,
7: I got here with
2: my dad
1: and my little brother. All right. Well, um, I hope that you enjoy those ear pods because I enjoy giving them to you. Um, you're held. Thirteen, almost fourteen. Right? All right. You're the same age as my son, Jackson. Um, well, thanks for coming out today, and enjoy the earpods. Thank you. All right. Look at that. Yeah, that, at, was, that, at was, that was Christmas, that was, man. Yeah, right, right on time. All right. So as we did in the first half hour of the show, um, let me first introduce my team, who um, takes care of all of the details of Court Radio every Saturday morning um rain and shine snow sleet and hail uh, to my left is manny manuel glenn thank you dean in the audience is sarah O. Oh. and in another room somewhere distant from us is the one and only eric tactics jackson and we um We get together every Saturday morning and we answer questions live on the show. We usually have a topic that we try to dissect in greater detail. And I hope that um, the folks who get to listen to the show on a regular basis get something out of it. And that's you guys and you have participated to the nth degree throughout the years but also today the studio folks uh for those listening on the radio right now is packed there's more than 25 people in a very tight space here um and we are just knocking some questions out of the park um on the uh in the front of the uh um the studio is my friends saul langsom good morning saul welcome to court radio And Jeffrey S. Gross. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Dean. We all share space down at 2 Penn Center at 15th and JFK, right across from City Hall. We're a hop, skip, and jump away from the courthouses, um, which we practice in on a regular basis. So we're answering legal questions today, and I have a question here, maybe for Saul. Um, could you tell the audience the difference between a will, a power of attorney, and an irrevocable trust?
3: Well, those are that's a fairly common reoccurring question, and we could probably spend hours on it. You don't have hours, so since we don't have hours, let me try to present it this way. Sixty seconds. When you when you <laughs> prepare a will, the thinking is that what your asset, what, when you identify your assets and you name your beneficiaries, they do not become the owners of those assets until you close your eyes. That's a will. A Will speaks when you can no longer speak. A power of attorney in is the opposite. A power of attorney speaks immediately when the document is signed, dated and notarized. So powers of attorney basically are designed to assist people, whether it's family or friends in decision making, in decision making. And the key here is that you want that power of attorney to be executed and it can only be executed when the person giving the power is incompetent, is incompetent. If you Call me and mother's been declared incompetent. I will say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. We have to go to the court, file a petition to get you appointed the guardian. Trust is a question that I'm asked about all of the time, all the time. And I'm asked that question in the context of how can I avoid inheritance taxes? How can I avoid inheritance taxes? The the concept behind a trust is if you put your property into a trust, you don't own it. If you don't own it, it's not part of your estate. It's not subject to inheritance tax. What people don't understand is in order to put some property into a trust, you no longer become the owner of that property. If you own a home and you wanna put the home into a trust, we prepare a new deed. The deed transfers the ownership of the property into a trust, you don't own it. Most people don't wanna give up ownership. The trust entity also needs an EIN number. It's gotta file taxes each and every year. Taxes each and every year. These are, so basically the trust is much more attractive to the high net worth person. And if you take a look at the definition of high net worth under the IRS regs, they just increased high net worth definition from 12.5 million to 12.9 million. It's good to know. That's, yeah, that's not me so um i have a
1: question for thank you saul i have a question for jeff jeff if you're um going out to lunch at work um and you slip and fall on an icy sidewalk uh on your way out to the parking lot is that going to be considered a workers comp claim great question so that's called a course and scope issue in order to
5: get workers compensation you have to be in the course and scope of your employment and so you would think well if you're going out for lunch you're really not in the course and scope of your employment however if you're going out for lunch and your boss says hey while you're out can you grab me a burger you're in the course and scope of your employment you're furthering your employer's interests that way however if you're going out for lunch and you're literally going downstairs or outside to a vendor and you're going to be gone for five minutes and you slip and fall On ice just like Dean said then that might be considered a momentary deviation a momentary deviation is a concept that is an acceptable exception to the lack of course and scope because it's not in the course and scope of your employment if you go to the bathroom you're not in the course and scope of your employment right we can all agree on that but it's considered a momentary deviation from your employment and it is covered under workers compensation So if you're going out for lunch and you're really not going out for a long time and you're going to pick something up and you're doing it quickly because you got a lot of stuff to do during the day, that might be considered a momentary deviation.
1: How about maybe take it one step further? Um, You're on your way to work. You're coming down the Schuylkill. You're on your way to work and you're involved in a traffic accident where you sustained an injury and it was not your fault. You haven't gotten to work yet. Is that... In Pennsylvania considered an accident that occurred while you were on that while you were working so
5: that fits under the rule of coming and going
1: the coming and going
5: rule states that you are not covered by any workers compensation policy on your way in or on your way out there are also exceptions just like any other thing in life there's always exceptions and the exception to the coming and going rule is me for example when I'm in the car on my way to or from work what am I doing? Am I listening to the radio? You're on the phone, doing work. I'm on the phone, you're doing work, yeah. doing work in in furtherance of my job. So if you're on the phone on your way to work or going away from work, coming home, and you are on the phone in furtherance of your job, that is compensable. Wow, interesting. question. Yes.
0: you come into a building like this with a number of offices, a number of employers. Slip and fall.
1: Somebody's
5: responsible for something, right? Absolutely. Good. Whether it's a third-party case or a workers' compensation case, or both. All right.
1: Yeah, Jeff and I just to give an example. Jeff and I represent um, a uh, a young man who was working in a factory, and while he was working, his hand got caught up in a machine and pulled into the machine. His hand was degloved. What that means is the skin was literally ripped off of the meat of his hand um, as a result of this machine not having a proper guard protecting the employees from this type of injury The the manufacturer of the machine was not his employer so i sued the manufacturer of the machine for failing to have a proper guard yet it happened during the course and scope of his employment And Jeff was able to make a successful worker's compensation claim, um, getting the fellow all of the medical uh, treatment he needed for then and the rest of his life, as well as all of the compensation that he lost as a result of not being able to work. But the pain and suffering claim, which was catastrophic and would last for a lifetime, was able to be brought against the manufacturer of the machine. Two separate entities, two separate claims. Jeff and I worked on it together.
5: Yes, I remember that case very well. And I do want to highlight the difference between what's called economic versus non-economic damages, because that's something that's exactly on point with what Dean just said. Economic damages, which are recoverable in the workers' compensation case, are damages that I can readily calculate. For instance. I can calculate your medical bills. I can calculate your wage loss. I can even calculate your future wage loss, and I can also calculate your projected future medical bills. These are all items that are recoverable in the workers' compensation claim, in addition to any out-of-pocket expenses you might have. The non-economic damage claim, which these are damages that I cannot readily calculate. For instance, pain, suffering, loss of life's pleasures, mental anguish, humiliation. I could give you a laundry list of non-economic damages that you just can't calculate. These, these damages are recoverable in the third party claim, meaning against the non-employer. So in a, a company or a person or an entity that is not your employer, that's what Dean would be able to get you over and above the workers' compensation claim. And the combination of that gives you both claims.
1: All right. It looks like we've got another prize drawing. So, folks who are listening on the radio, um, when we do our live broadcasts, I give away gifts. Stuff, man. We got a swag bag. Especially during the holiday season. So, um, obviously, if you haven't figured it out, our theme today is apple. And the next (laughs) gift, and not the kind you eat. The next gift is a really cool Apple Watch. I just. Oh, hold up. Wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're not eligible to participate. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I have. Wow, that's a cool number. What is that? Six zeros. It's a single digit number. Okay, if you've got a single-digit number and your number is number, you got here early probably, number two. Number two. Oh, man, All right. for you, bro. Come on up. Come on. Get right up there. What What's your name, young man? Uh, my name is Mr. Buck from West Philadelphia. Well, sir, um, I hope that you can use this. This is an Apple Watch, and you have earned it by being a, an inaugural guest to our live radio performance. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, man. All
1: right. And my daughter, thank you. All right. There you go. Whoop.
0: You short on any car keys over there? Man?
1: <laughs> All right. Then ne- We got another gift um this is and it's pink okay it's eight so I, ho- I hope it goes to somebody who enjoys the color pink it's pink it's an ipad 10th generation ipad 64 gigabyte and it's going to go to the lucky holder of ticket number five zeros one six Me. you go you. girl
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Me?
0: me? Me? What? <laughs> I what? Seen me. Tell me everybody who you are, me. <laughs>
7: me. Who you be, me? <laughs> Good morning, doing? everyone. My name is Teresa.
1: Teresa, welcome to Court Radio's live inaugural performance and congratulations on winning the pink iPad.
7: Wonderful.
1: Thank you so much. You are welcome.
7: <laughs> can you use it? I can use
1: it. Thank you. <laughs> ah okay a long one this one
7: that one that's a long one wow all
1: right go ahead read go ahead give it to Teresa. read your question
7: okay i just wanted to find out from you what i should do my home was paid off in 2018 and i just assumed that the satisfaction paperwork had been sent to the courthouse um about a month and a half ago I went and had a title search done, and the mortgage is still, was still um, on my record. So I purchased the home through a bank that no longer exists. So it went through five different banks. I finally found the end bank. It took them uh, about a month to um, realize that, you know, they, it should be satisfied. And they've told me they're going to satisfy it, but it hasn't happened yet.
1: Okay, Saul's going to answer the question, but I just want to say that I'm impressed with your due diligence because, you know, 2018, 2023—it's only five years. It's—it's a—it's—it's it's time, but it's not the kind of time that Saul and I see in these problems that could go back decades and decades. And you've already worked your way through all of the false mortgage companies that no longer own an interest in it to get to the real one. So you've done your homework, and I want to applaud you for that.
7: Thank you.
3: (laughs) The short answer to your question is that there is a statute, and the statute says that within 30 days of your paying, making the last payment, the holder of your paper is legally obligated to satisfy it. And the way they satisfy it is they file a satisfaction with the, with the office. And they also return to you all of the notes that you signed that are marked satisfied and punched the problem is that the lender the lender was not in business because the lenders get fined if they do not satisfy these obligations within 30 days they are subject to getting fined Uh, but the lender didn't disappeared and therefore you are at a disadvantage and the bank now that has inherited your paperwork technically has the same obligation. So should you not get the paperwork real soon, you may want to whisper in their ear that there there are footsteps. It's called a statute, and you don't want to see them be financially prosecuted for violating the statute. I think that should get their attention.
7: Thank you. You're I welcome. Just just thanks just that, great thanks question. for the iPad.
1: Folks, we got to take another two minute quick break for our sponsors. We'll be right back after these sponsors' announcements i'm dean weitzman if you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer call my philly lawyer now at 215-227-2727 frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer if you've been affected we will fight for you call 215-227-2727 my philly lawyer when winning matters most I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call my Philly lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you call 215-227-2727 my philly lawyer when winning matters most
0: need more legal answers here's more court radio with your host dean weitzman
1: Good morning and welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, and this is Court Radio's first live presentation with a studio audience. I want to welcome you back to the show. Um, our studio audience is here; they've been great, participating with wonderful questions. We're going to try to do this on a quarterly basis going forward. Um, and I oh, and I have to introduce Doresha Parker, who's State Representative, of Philadelphia. The 198th in the building. 198th is in the building. And you can't—you're
0: not even running for anything. You just showed up. All right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the honest answer from a politician we never stop we never running. stop running all right folks we got some other questions i want to try to get as many in as i can before we have to wrap up um karen is karen in the studio karen come on up come on up karen.
8: yes good morning again Um, my question is that back in the summer I was working for a care agency they offered me the job to be administrative assistant for two people I didn't like to pay but I took it half loaf is better than none so I took the position I noticed when I started I had no working laptop no working email nothing my manager knew this so I talked to HR about it. They said it was going to be coming soon. That never happened. So my boss went to the owner. The owner of the company was not aware that I didn't have a working email or anything. HR did not tell them this. So because I didn't like the rate, I was told in 90 days they will bump me up. I was very, very close to the 90 days. We were doing a Zoom interview. After the Zoom interview, The two HR people said, Karen, we would like for you to stay on. Well, at that time, I said, I'm going to get fired. So I I, I felt something was not right. So I always had my luggage to put my belongings in. So they said, "Uh, could you go in a different room? I said, sure. Uh, Today would be your last day. I says, okay. I said, can I ask you why? We will discuss that later. No problem. I said, thank you very much. I said some things that I cannot say over the air but i kept it in a christian manner i just said you guys supposed to be christian women and you're not firing me on my work it's personal because you don't want to give me that raise increase i says okay so when i called them in a different room and stepped into the room i should say i apologize they said we're firing you because we don't feel you are a good fit Now, the meanwhile, I was talking to Tiffany, who was my manager, I was talking to the owner about things in the agency that was not right. For instance, caregivers should not be allowed to go in people's homes freebasing. The owner did not do a background check, drug screenings, I would say all of this should be done, he told Tiffany was my boss i like karen but she's going to be a problem because i was speaking up of, of things was not right so i'd like to ask you because i was still on probation i was almost up is this legal all right. to 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 do this to someone because i was speaking up on things in the agency not right my boss did leave to let you know she left because she couldn't take it anymore
1: all right here we go i'm going to try to give you a quick answer to your not so quick question Um, First of all, uh, Pennsylvania has a whistleblower statute, and so if you are speaking up about legal violations that the company is engaged in, and they then, as a retribution, fire you for that, you do and could have a valid claim under the Pennsylvania whistleblowers statute. As a general rule... We are at-will employees in Pennsylvania, which means we can be fired for any reason at all, a good one, a bad one. It doesn't matter. I don't like the way you look. Uh, I don't like the, um, your attitude. There can be no specificity. They just you let you go. You're not a good fit. Um, and so on the one hand, we can be let go for any reason, but there are some protections, and one of them is – whistleblower statute so that's something that we should investigate if there is a claim there it is very time-sensitive and so folks when you're let go and you believe that you may fall under the Pennsylvania whistleblower statute there is only uh, about 60 days from the termination for you to bring a claim move on it quickly to see if you're eligible Um, and lastly you cannot be fired for discriminatory reasons so there are protected classes race sexual identity um, and uh, religion things of that nature are protected classes and and if you are think that you were fired for one of those reasons or it was um, sexual harassment it was a hostile work environment so there are claims that can be brought to that we do bring on behalf of clients. As a general rule, can be fired for any reason, but there are protections. Investigate it promptly. And when you believe that you're the subject of, or may become the subject of somebody who's gonna be terminated for one of these reasons, you need to start documenting your um, interactions with your employer because human relations isn't human. They are not there to protect you. They're there to protect the company. And so make sure you document your interactions through emails nowadays is the best way to do it. And you, you put down your complaints. You talk, talk about the people who are using drugs in the workplace mm-hmm. so that you have some factual basis that you can rely upon when the time comes. Uh, it looks like I'm getting signals from all parts of the world <laughs> that we are unfortunately at the end of the hour. The hour comes so quickly, folks. I am so sorry we didn't get everybody's question, but I want to thank my first studio audience. How Hello. we do, everybody? How yeah. we do? We do good. <laughs> Court Radio is a great institution in the city of philadelphia i can say that not because i'm participating in it but it's from what i hear from everybody around the city and not only are we lis- listened to by folks like yourself but the judges in philadelphia are listening to us right now the politicians in philadelphia are listening to us right now and your voices are being heard we'll see you next saturday same time same place